Well, hey, everybody. It's great to have you with us today. I do want to say happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. And as a member of that group, I know some of the challenges of being a dad, setting a good example and making sure your kids know that you love them, but also making sure they don't grow up to be a bunch of hooligans. Fatherhood is a big job, but it is a noble calling. So for all you dads, Plum Creek is with you and we're praying for you and we're cheering you on. Well, today we are continuing our journey through the book of Acts. And the title of today's message is Taking a Bold Step. Now, at one point or another, I'm sure you've taken some bold steps in your life. As I was looking back on my life this week, I thought of a bold step I took when I was in high school. My friends and I used to go tubing down the Wikiwachi River. And one particular day, we stopped at this tree that had a high branch hanging over the river. And we saw some other kids who climbed up that tree and they were jumping into the water. And the river was plenty deep at that spot. Well, my friends were like, hey, that's a great idea. So we all climbed up the tree and one at a time, my friends jumped off the branch into the water. Now I'm guessing this jump was about 20 feet. And from down below, it really didn't seem that high. However, when I stepped out, and I stood there with my toes hanging off the branch, that drop looked more like 100 feet. So I had a decision to make, either crawl back down and face all my friends or take a bold step. Well, after a few minutes of internal agony, I took the leap. It was a bold step and I survived. Now, for any young people who happen to be watching, I am not recommending that you jump off a high branch or a cliff or anything else that's dangerous. A lot of people out there take risks that are very unwise. However, as we're gonna see today in the book of Acts, following Jesus will always involve taking bold steps. God will lead you to do things that are uncomfortable or intimidating or downright scary. The question is, will we follow where God leads? If the answer is yes, he will use us in a powerful way. If the answer is no, we're gonna limit the impact that God wants us to make in this world. So today, I wanna to take a quick look at three individuals in the book of Acts. These three people each took a bold step in following Jesus. The first is named Stephen. The second is named Philip. And we don't actually get a name for the third. He's just known as the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, if you're like me, these stories will challenge you, but they'll also inspire you. And I believe that's exactly what God wants. So let's dive in. First, we'll look at this guy named Stephen. Now, Stephen was not one of the original 12 apostles, but he was a strong leader in the early church. He was a part of this new generation rising up. These younger leaders began to work alongside the apostles, and together they all took the baton from Jesus and they continued his ministry. So let's get to know Stephen a little. In Acts chapter 6, we read that Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. He's also described as a man full of God's grace and power. Now, in the early days of the church, God's Holy Spirit empowered certain leaders to do some pretty dramatic things. At that time, God used miracles as evidence to show that Jesus was for real. And that evidence helped the church get off to a strong start. And Stephen was a part of this. 
We're told that he performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now, as you can imagine, those miracles made Stephen very popular with the public at large. As you can also imagine, those miracles made Stephen very unpopular with the Jewish religious leaders. Those leaders wanted to shut down this growing movement of Jesus followers. And just like last week's story, where Peter and John got into trouble, Stephen got into trouble too. Before long, the religious leaders had Stephen arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish ruling council. They accused Stephen of blasphemy, which is basically slander against God. And they brought out false witnesses to make Stephen look like a dangerous radical. The high priest came to Stephen and he said, are these charges true? And right then, Stephen launched into a long speech. In fact, this speech is twice as long as any other in the book of Acts. And first, Stephen gave the group a history lesson. He went back and retold the stories of Abraham, Joseph, and Moses in a surprising amount of detail, especially considering the fact that these religious leaders were very familiar with those stories. But Stephen was being intentional here. He brought up these Old Testament heroes and prophets to point out that all of them experienced rejection in their lifetime. And from there, it's a short leap to Jesus because Jesus experienced rejection too. In fact, it's very normal for God's chosen leaders to be treated this way. But after this history lesson, the speech took a drastic turn. Stephen was angry, and he wasn't trying to hide it. Listen to what he says in Acts 7.51. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, what we have here is a great example of Jewish smack talk. That phrase, stiff-necked people, refers to a stubborn jackass or a donkey. And Stephen's second remark was even more offensive. He said, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. So what's that about? Well, Stephen is saying, I don't care if you were circumcised as a Jew. When it comes to your heart, you're not a real Jew at all. You're no better than those Gentiles who don't even pretend to know God. You have rejected Jesus, the Messiah, the righteous one. And when you rejected Jesus, you rejected the very Spirit of God. So in other words, I'm not the one guilty of blasphemy. You are. Stephen pulls no punches here. And just like the Apostle Peter earlier in Acts, Stephen blames these religious leaders for Jesus' death. He says, and now you have betrayed and murdered him, you who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. So when Stephen openly confronts these religious leaders, this could go one of two ways, right? First, they could be convicted and remorseful and realize that they have sinned against God. That's what we saw from the crowd back in Acts chapter 2. But there's a second option, right? These religious leaders could double down on their self-righteousness and attack Stephen with everything they've got. They chose the second option. They started to flip out. The Bible says they were furious and they gnashed their teeth. But right then, the Holy Spirit gave Stephen a vision of Jesus at the right hand of God. And he described that vision out loud. And that was the last straw. The leaders dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. 
Death by stoning is especially brutal, and you would expect the victim to be knocked senseless pretty quickly. But all of a sudden, an amazing thing happened. As Stephen's body was pummeled with heavy stones, he made a shocking statement. Acts 7.59, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. So apparently these are his last words, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Now, does that sound familiar? It sounds a lot like what Jesus said on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So Stephen was bold in two different ways. First, he was bold in preaching the truth, but he was also bold in showing compassion and asking God to forgive his enemies, even as they murdered him. And in that way, Stephen followed the example of Jesus. Jesus was full of truth, and he was also full of grace. So that's the story of Stephen, the first martyr of the Christian church, the first follower of Jesus to be killed for his faith. Now, some of us might look at that story and say, well, that's not really a happy ending. And I can understand that comment. Stephen was a young man with so much potential, but his life was cut short. His ministry was cut short. And in the end, what difference did Stephen make? Well, his life actually made a huge difference. For one thing, we're still talking about Stephen today. He has inspired other followers of Jesus from the day that he died all the way down to the present. But we learned something else in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Do you see what's happening here? Stephen's death ushered in a time of persecution. And that persecution caused the church to scatter, which then caused the message of Jesus to scatter. I'm sure it was a terrible thing to go through that suffering, but God can always bring good things out of painful circumstances. In this particular case, God used that persecution to bless the whole world outside of Jerusalem. You and I get the chance to know Jesus precisely because the church went out from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We have been blessed because of the bold actions of people like Stephen. So we still need to look at two more individuals, and they both appear in the same story. We'll start with a man named Philip. Just like Stephen, Philip was an up-and-coming leader in the church. He's another guy who was empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach and teach and work miracles. One day, an angel told Philip to take a trip down to Gaza, which was on the southern border of ancient Israel. And on that journey, Philip had an amazing encounter. Let's read about that in Acts chapter 8. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And by the way, this is the closest we get to seeing the name Kentucky in the Bible. Kandake. (laughs) It's a lame joke, I know. Moving on. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So this is extremely interesting. 
Philip meets an African man from Ethiopia. Now, for a Jew from Jerusalem, Ethiopia seemed very remote. It was way out there on the edge of the civilized world. And the culture of Ethiopia was very different than what you saw in Judea. But this particular Ethiopian had a great respect for the God of the Jews. And it seems like he was interested in becoming a Jewish convert. Unfortunately, though, he could never become a full convert because he was a eunuch. A lot of you probably know this, but the word eunuch refers to a male who has been castrated. And this was a common experience for any man serving in a royal court of that time. After all, if you were an ancient king, you didn't want your government officials getting cozy with the women in your harem. So think about it. This Ethiopian traveled hundreds of miles to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. But when he arrived, they would never let him in. He could go to the gate, but no further. So eventually, this Ethiopian got back in his chariot and he started the long journey home. But that's when Philip shows up. In Acts 8:29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And we have to pause here. Look at that phrase, stay near it. The original meaning of that phrase would be to stick to it or cling to it. Now, why would Philip need to stick to or cling to the chariot? Because it was moving. So picture this. The Holy Spirit told Philip to run alongside the chariot and get into a conversation. Like, hey there, I see you're reading something. Uh, yes. Do you understand what you're reading? Well, now that you mention it, no, I don't understand. Would you like some help? <laughs> it's, it's a little crazy, isn't it? But as it turned out, the Ethiopian was very interested in Philip's offer. He invited Philip to sit down in the chariot and ride along. And from there, they opened a scroll and they read scripture together. Acts 8.32 says, This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now those words are from Isaiah chapter 53. This is a prophecy about the Messiah. But the Ethiopian wouldn't have understood that. Like so many others, he would have expected the Messiah to be a powerful king, but not a suffering servant. So the Ethiopian asked Philip an honest question. Who is this prophet talking about? And that was the perfect opportunity for Philip to tell this man about Jesus. And he started with this passage from Isaiah 53, but we don't know where the conversation went from there. I read one commentator who wondered if Philip pointed him to Isaiah chapter 56. If so, that would have been very cool. Listen to the words from that chapter. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Can you imagine what those words would have meant to this Ethiopian eunuch? He'd be like, does this mean that God really wants me? That he would accept me and give me a new name and a new life? And the truth is, it doesn't matter which passage they read, 
That is the message of Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter where you came from, God loves you and he is willing to accept you. Jesus died to make it possible for you and me to get back into a right relationship with God. And once this truth made its way into the heart of this Ethiopian man, he was ready to take the bold step of giving his life to Jesus. As that chariot went down the road, they came to a body of water. And the Ethiopian turned to Philip and he said, look, here's water. Is there any reason why I can't be baptized? And of course, there was nothing to prevent him from taking that step. He wasn't allowed to enter the temple, but there was nothing to stop him from full membership in the body of Christ. So the chariot pulled over and then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, it says the Ethiopian went away rejoicing. He took a bold step and he found new life in Christ. So let's review what we've seen from these three individuals. Each one of them took a bold step. Stephen preached the message of Jesus to a hostile crowd and he died for it. Philip crossed cultural barriers to lead an Ethiopian man to Jesus. And then the Ethiopian surrendered his life to Jesus and was baptized. When I think about these three men and the steps they took, something sticks out to me. It's a truth that very much applies in our time. When we follow God's leading and we take bold steps, people get blessed. Sometimes you're the one who's blessed. That was certainly the case with the Ethiopian. Other times you bless someone else. Philip blessed the Ethiopian by sharing the good news about Jesus. But then occasionally, God may use you to bless a large group of people. Remember, Stephen was a catalyst that led to the scattering of the early church. And the gospel went out from Jerusalem and eventually made its way to you and me. So let's bring this around to us. What about you? What about me? Are we willing to take whatever bold step God is calling us to take? I know a lot of us would say, well, that's not my personality. I'm not really a bold person. But when we look at the book of Acts, we see that the early Christians did not get their boldness from their personalities. It came from the Holy Spirit. And the reality is, if God wants you to do something uncomfortable or intimidating or downright scary, He will give you the strength and the courage to take that bold step. So it's time to talk about this week's action step. And by this point, you probably know what it is, don't you? Your challenge is to identify a bold step that God is leading you to take and then take it. Now that word bold is relative, isn't it? To one person, a particular step may seem fairly easy, but to another person, that same step may be super difficult. So I wanna give you a few ideas to get you thinking and you can decide what bold means for you. The first step is for anyone who needs to follow the example of the Ethiopian. If you have never made a clear decision to follow Jesus, you can surrender your life to Jesus and get baptized. And if you're ready to make that decision, we would love to come alongside you and walk you through that process. You can reach out by going to plumcreek.org connect. And let me tell you, finding new life in Christ is the greatest blessing you could ever receive. Another step you could take is to invite families to participate in our virtual VBS. I am so excited about this. Our kids ministry has a great event planned. 
It's an amazing opportunity to reach out to families in our community and share the good news about Jesus. The preschool version happens this week, June 23rd and 24th. The elementary version happens later in July. Now, if you want to invite others the easy way, you could just share this link, plumcreek.org slash focusvbs. And that would be great, but I want to encourage you to think big. A few days ago, some Plum Creek folks got together and brought a Kona ice truck into their neighborhood. And they gave out free Kona ice to a bunch of kids and families. And they also gave out invitations to our VBS. Is that not a cool idea? You could do something like that, or you could come up with your own plan. If you need invitations to hand out, let us know. We'd be glad to hook you up. Okay, I'll give you just two more ideas. One is specifically for dads who still have kids at home. You could start a spiritual conversation with your family and lead them in prayer. Now, this is one of those steps that may seem uncomfortable or intimidating, but I'll give you a very simple plan for doing this. First, you could read Psalm 100 from the Bible. That's a psalm of thanksgiving, and it's very short. Next, just have everybody share one thing that they're thankful for, maybe something that happened that day. And then you just pray a short prayer and thank God for those things. Now, dads, if you don't normally do this and you take this step, I'm telling you, this will be a huge blessing to your family. The last idea I'll mention is very open-ended. Just share God's love with a specific person or a group in a way that feels intimidating. Now, I don't want to tell you exactly how to do that. Just seek God, read His Word, and ask Him to lead you. And the key word here is intimidating. If we're going to do something bold, it's not going to be easy. But we've learned a couple things today, right? Number one, following Jesus will always involve taking bold steps. And number two, when we take bold steps, people get blessed. Let's pray. Father, I praise you and thank you for who you are. And I thank you for using us to bless others when we surrender to your will. And I know that will involve taking bold steps. So Lord, we ask that you give us the strength and the courage to follow where you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we're done today, we're going to hear from a friend of mine named Randy Teagarden. Randy is a part of Plum Creek and he has taken several bold steps in his life. So let's listen to what Randy has to say. 